Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can follow the show on Twitter as well at Locked On Leafs. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show if you like it, what you hear today. Leave a rating and a comment too. I'll be hosting a giveaway once I receive 50 reviews. So let's get those reviews in so we can win some prizes. All right. Uh, why am I so excited today? What was with the woohoo at the beginning of the podcast? Well, I will tell you, the boys are back, baby. The boys are back. The Leafs are back on the ice. Practices have begun. Phase three underway, and I am excited. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to uh, get into a little bit about what has been going on over the first couple of days of camp, uh, talk about some of the uh, some of the, the quick storylines, the early storylines going on in camp, and then also going to be talking about the pros and cons as to whether or not Nick Robertson should or will be playing uh, for the Leafs during these playoffs, um, so that, that should be good. And then also, we had some... We had some trophy nominees come out earlier today, so that is also going to be uh, a conversation we're going to have. And so I'll tell you who the nominees are for what trophies, and then I'll also pick my early winner for who I think will win said trophies. But let's get into the Leafs. Let's get into what's going on in Leafs training camp. We're so close to getting hockey. They're actually back on the ice as a team, not just four, five, six of them, the whole team. So you got 30 guys out there skating, training, getting ready to go for the playoffs that are going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, this is a good sign. This is a good thing. And I'm really, really, really stoked about it. Um, So Phase 3 kicked off on Monday. Uh, Some really early impressions going on. So far, what I'm hearing a lot of is that, you know, Ilya Mikheyev, people kind of forget about him because... He started off really, really well, got got off to a good start, and then he kind of had that skate laceration on his wrist about midway through the season, and he was supposed to be out for the year. So the fact that Mikheyev is now returned because the season got prolonged all the way into the summer, you know, he comes back, and now he's going to have a chance to, to try and pick up where he left off, and apparently he's been electric. He's been buzzing around the ice, according to uh, according to a lot of the, the, um, the reporters that are down there reporting you know, about about what's going on in, in Leafs camp in the early days, as well as Kyle Dubas yesterday, uh, you know, he's kind of doing the media rounds a little bit, and he was talking about how Mikheyev is back, and, and it looks like um, it looks like he's going to get a chance to, to kind of reunite on a line with uh, John Tavares and Mitch Marner, so that'll be nice. Uh, Zach Hyman also apparently looking really good, no surprise there, you know, the Energizer Bunny who just brings nothing but heart and energy, so he's he's looking really good early on. Uh, one thing to note, though, no Timothy Lilligren. So I think he reported a couple of days ago and then was deemed unfit to play, which is now uh, literally what every single team is using. I guess the NHL sent out a memo being like, look, we don't want people knowing that, you know, what, what the injury is or, or if they have COVID or not. So regardless, if somebody can't play, whether it's an injury, COVID-related, whatever it is, they're now deemed as unfit to play. So Lilligren yesterday was deemed as unfit, and then the following day, or two days ago, unfit to play, and then the following day was actually taken off of their roster and replaced by Mac Hollowell. 
The reason why this is notable is, A, uh, Lilligren, you know, was playing some NHL games when the season ended, and you would have thought that for sure, you know, a guy like him who they're hoping can become a player for them over the next couple of years, at least get some third pairing minutes, especially with when Cody Cece's gone out the door, hopefully, at the in the offseason. You know, he's a guy who can step up and play NHL minutes, we think, we hope. That's what you expect when you invest a first-round pick into somebody. Um, so the fact that he's not going to be there doesn't, A, it doesn't look good health-wise. It, it sounds like the fact that Timothy Lilligren is from Sweden, and I'm not sure if he was in Sweden or if he was in Toronto during all this. I would assume he went back home. And if that's the case, we know what Sweden has been up to. You know, they went for herd mentality. And uh, if, if Lilligren ended up catching the, the virus while he was over there skating and, and just you know, living his life like everybody in Sweden has been doing the last couple of months, it's very possible that he picked this virus up and then he got tested and and uh, came back positive. So they had to send him packing, which is super unfortunate because he's a guy who you, you need to try and develop him. So taking away this couple of months or this few weeks at the very least, hopefully a couple of months of development time, uh, is 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 not good considering he hasn't played since March and now probably won't play until December or or maybe even January. So that's that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. I think that's the one kind of head scratching like ah darn thing that's happened so far early and we're what day three of camp. So um, could be worse, you know. Austin Matthews is back after testing positive. He came out. He spoke about it. Um, so, you know, we're, we're free to talk about it now because he talked about it. So I think we're good to, to discuss it. But essentially he said, yeah, no, it, uh, I, I got tested positive. Um, you know, it said it, it put him off his feet for a couple of weeks, which, you know, totally could see happening based on what we know about this virus. Um, and uh, he also mentioned that because of that, it actually kind of, took him away from training a little bit so he was a little bit behind to start camp but uh you know it's Austin Matthews the guy's an absolute freak of an athlete even a 50% Matthews is better than a good majority of the league so um and a guy like that I don't think he'll need too too long to get back up to speed he's just such a a gifted talented talented person um so I I think he'll be back um one other thing just about covid related and then hopefully we don't have to talk about this anymore uh the nhl released numbers they did nearly 5,000 tests with just 43 positive cases coming back as positive so you know that's not that's not a bad thing like it's it sucks that there was a lot of cases that that tested positive but you know out of 5,000 tests only 43 positive cases that's that's not too bad now, you say, why would they do 5,000 tests? There's not nearly that many players that are playing. Yes, I know. But they tested these guys multiple, multiple times. So, um, And lastly, uh, let's let's go over what the lines have looked like over the last couple of days because uh, when, we, when we left off, they looked a little bit different than what they are now because A, guys getting healthy, and B, um, it just looks like it's going back to the way things were kind of at the start of the season 
and, and you'll know what I mean once once I go through them. So the first line right now, it's looking like William Nylander uh, on one flank with Hyman and then Matthews centering that line. So that's your top line, Nylander, Matthews, and Zach Hyman. So Hyman and uh, or, or Nylander and Matthews getting paired up back again together, Hyman as well. And then the second line, uh, Ilya Mikheyev comes back from his injury and he'll join uh, John Tavares and Mitch Marner. So hopefully that trio can get some chemistry cooking. I know that they, they played really, really well uh, the first couple of games they had together and then Marner went down and, and Tavares went down and then Mikheyev went down. So kind of all three of those didn't have much time to play together because of injuries at different points of the year. But I actually really, really, really like that line because what we do know about Mikheyev is, is this guy, he's kind of like a Hyman light, right? He can go and he will go into the corners and fetch that puck and get it out to Marner who will get it over to John Tavares who will snipe it top shelf so I really really like that setup there you know I think that it could work um, so I'm a real big fan of this top six here you know Neilander Matthews Hyman and then McKayev John Tavares Mitch Marner that's gonna work I believe that that is going to work all right third line we got Pierre Engvall with Kerfoot and Sammy uh, Kasperi Kapanen Sammy's son <laughs> uh, so Engvall getting a shot to uh, to kind of stick on the third line there. A lot of speed on that line, actually, and I kind of really like it. You got, you know, Kasperi, scrappy-cappy out there on the third line, along with Engvall, who's a big body, but also can skate and, and play pretty well. Um, and then Alex Kerfoot as a centerman. Like, that's a pretty good third line. I, I think I think they'll be able to... Uh, to match up pretty well against against anything anybody anyone else's is lines there so i like the the makeup there and then clifford spezza and gochier uh, as the fourth line obviously these are all subject to change this is just what it's looking like early in camp um and you'll notice that there was one name that was not there you will and that's prospect extraordinaire nick robertson and uh in a minute i'm gonna tell you guys either why i think he he will or should be on this team, uh, the playing roster that is, uh, once the playoffs start up, and also give some cons as to why I think he shouldn't or won't play on this team. Uh, but first, I'm going to tell you guys about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your store. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as the do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck write the locked on for their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low pricing all the parts a car will ever need at rockauto.com all right so i'm hearing a lot of of love and praise early on from Nick Robertson. Um, I believe it was Jonas Siegel. He posted a, a one-on-one rep of, uh, of Robertson versus Jake Muzzin going into the corner and, uh, and, and to see kind of who comes away from with the puck battle, just the puck battle essentially. And so if you didn't watch the video, I believe I retweeted it uh, on the Twitter, Twitter, the show's Twitter at lockdown leaves. Um, and essentially if you didn't watch it though, Muzzin beats him to the corner but 
Robertson just shows his relentlessness and sticks with him and then ends up poking the puck and, and gets a really good scoring opportunity and uh, just roofed it backhand off the bar. So, you know, I think when people saw that play, they're like, oh, my God, he took the puck off of Muzzin, who's one of our most reliable players. Like, oh, he's he's ready for the NHL. I don't know. Like, I think we got to temper our expectations right now for Nick Robertson for this upcoming playoffs. Um, maybe next year he'll be good to go, ready to go. But for me, I, I'm not... I'm not 100% sold that he should be or will be playing playoff games this season. So I'm going to go over kind of a pros and cons list as to um, kind of the pros and cons for Nick Robertson playing uh, for the team this season. So, you know, why should we get to see Nick Robertson? Well, or why do the Leafs want to play Nick Robertson? What what would be the pros of playing him? Was well, the team's top prospect, right? So, I think they just want to get a chance to, to look at him early. So I think inviting him to this camp was a no-brainer um, just to see what he looks like against NHL talent, right? Because you haven't seen that yet. He only played in the OHL, which he absolutely tore up, 55 goals in 46 games for the Peets. We all know how well he did this season. And then we also saw him at the World Juniors uh, playing for the Americans. So, you know, you haven't seen him play against grown men. So this is the first time that we get a chance to see him. And keep in mind, he's only five foot nine. So he's not a big dude. Like he's he's quite small when when you when you look at NHLers, right? Five foot nine, uh, hundred. He's listed at one hundred and sixty pounds. So he's he's a small guy, and you could you could tell when you watch that rep against against Jake Muzzin how small of a guy he really is. Um, but like I said, he is the top prospect, and the team's gonna want to get a look at him just to see how he fares against NHL talent. And that brings me to my second thing. If he proves that he can play, his ELC contract is extremely valuable to the Leafs going forward. For the next few years, while we have this salary cap, um, flat cap, they are going to need to try and find talent, cheap talent, and getting a guy like Nick Robertson, a rookie who can come in and play right away and give you a couple of, seasons, of solid seasons on an ELC contract is exactly what the Leafs need to have. That's what they need. Like, not just it'd be nice. That's what they need. And if they could do that, that would allow Dubas to kind of pursue moving on some other from a couple other players that maybe play you know kind of similar roles who who they can move on from, whether that's uh, Andreas Janssen or, or Kasperi Kapanen. You know, I, I think that one of those two guys he would be able to move on from and then they could replace him replace either Janssen or Kapanen with Nick Robertson and then have that cap space, that almost, you know, $3 million, $2.5 million cap space to, to go elsewhere and, and use that to try and maybe next season when you got to lock up Morgan Riley or Zach Hyman or you got to also lock up Freddie Anderson. Um, so I think that if they can, if he can prove that he is ready to play, and they get a look at him, and they say, okay, yeah, he's he's the real deal. He can play in our in our top, at least top nine, and, and eventually be a top six guy for us. Then I think that is beneficial because that will allow Dubas to pursue moving one of those guys and open up some cap space, much-needed cap space, I might add. So I think that's another benefit if they let him play and, and, and see how he does. And third of all, I mean, the fans want it, right? It'd be such a joy to watch. He was so so good in the OHL this year. He was so much fun uh, to watch. I saw a couple of games of his. I, I think that, honestly, he would be 
uh, one of the like must watch type players. You know, kind of like when the Blue Jays last season brought up Bo Bichette, Vladdy, you know, all those guys. It was just like it was must watch TV just because they were so highly touted and they were just tearing it up in the minor leagues. You were just excited to see what they could do with the majors. And I feel like that's now we're getting to that point a little bit with Nick Robertson where it's like, okay, he absolutely obliterated the OHL. Let's see what he can do against NHL talent. And if he can be just as successful, and it's a young man's league now too, right? That's another pro. It's a young man's league. So if you can get that type of production that you need out of a 19-year-old, and he could prove that he could do it, heck, why not? On an ELC, that's what you want. That's what you need. So, you know, for those reasons, along with the fact that I think the fans would just love to see it, I think those would be probably the biggest pros for the Leafs uh, playing Nick Robertson throughout these these playoffs. He'll definitely get exhibition games. I think, you know, they got the two exhibition games, I believe it is, that each team's going to play. I wouldn't be surprised if he played in both, just to see how he is in, in NHL competition. Here are the cons. And ultimately, I'm not so sure we see Nick Robertson in actual play, barring injuries. I think it would take, I think it's going to take a couple injuries or an injury or two um, in the top six to really see Nick Robertson in the lineup, to be quite honest with you. Um, Because, first of all, remember, he's only 19 years old, he's 5'9, 160 pounds. There's not a lot of 19-year-old, 5'9", 160-pound guys in the NHL. And that's for a good reason, you know? Like, this is, you kind of, your body has to mature at a certain pace to play in the NHL. You know, when you're 19 years old playing in the OHL, scoring 55 goals, it's because, you know, the other bodies aren't maturing and you're not playing against the world elites like you are when you get to the show. So it's, and especially in the playoffs at that. So, you know, when you talk about playing against Columbus, you know, they play a really, really structured, defensive style, heavy hockey game. I don't know if that meshes well enough with Robertson where I'd feel comfortable playing him. Like, do I want him going up against Josh Anderson on a nightly basis or Nick Felino on a nightly basis? I don't know. I don't know. So I think just coupled with his age, his size, and then ultimately, we just don't know where he would play. Like, I talked about the lines earlier, and you go through it. Okay, Nylander, Matthews, Hyman. Yep, not taking anyone off that line. Mikheyev, Tavares, and Marner. I like that line a lot. I'm probably not going to take him off. Maybe, you know, I guess if he really, really, really shows out here in camp and just forces forces Sheldon Keefe's hand, he could potentially get a look on Marner and JT's line just to see what it would look like. But I personally, as it sits right now, without watching those exhibition games, I guess, I think that top six is pretty solidified. And then it's, do you want to play him on the bottom nine? I'm not I'm not sure if you want to do that. Um, because, you know, do you trust him to play a third line role? I don't know. I don't know if you can trust him that much you know especially for I just I I don't trust him playing on the third line quite yet maybe next season but right now his first couple of games I don't want to give him that responsibility the fourth line I just I don't want to lose the size especially for if we're playing Columbus I don't want to lose the size of a guy like Clifford and Gauthier 
Spets is there, and he's going to be the center. Uh, I suppose, I guess you can move Gauthier into, into center and, and swap out Spezza, but you're not going to do that because, well, Spezza's um, really, I would say, come on since Sheldon Keefe has taken over, and, and he is a legitimate NHLer, obviously, still at this age of his career, and he deserves to be there. You're not going to sit Spezza for Nick Robertson. So I, I just, at the end of the day, I honestly, I, I just don't see where he fits in the lineup. In, it would take a couple of injuries for me to, to get him into the lineup. I think that's what it was, That's essentially what it would take. Because I think one injury to anybody in that top six, one of the top six wingers, okay, I think Kapitan could slide up and he could kind of fill into that top six. And then you're probably not going to put Robertson in the bottom six. But if you get two injuries, like let's say, you know, um, Mikheyev injures his wrist again, and then also Nylander goes down. Okay, you slide Kapanen up, but at that point, okay, are you going to slide Kerfoot up? Or does that kind of give you an opportunity to see what Robertson has? I think it does. So, in my opinion, it's going to take a couple of injuries, and we should start tempering our expectations for what Nick Robertson is, is you know, what his role should be this season. I don't think he's going to have a big role this season, if a role at all, throughout the playoffs, unless injuries start piling up. That's just my two cents and my thoughts on it. All right, um, coming up after the break, let's talk a little bit about some league news because the Ted Lindsay Award nominees came out yesterday and the Coach of the Year and Rookie of the Year nominees came out today. So we'll chat about that on the other side. All right, welcome back to Lockdown Leafs Podcast. Mike Stefano with you. All right, so uh, we got some league news that came out today. So um, both the Jack Adams and the uh, Rookie of the Year Award Calder Trophy uh, nominees came out today. And then yesterday, the Ted Lindsay Award nominees came out, which is the award that is voted upon by their peers. The NHLers themselves vote who the best player in the league was that year. So in essence... I personally think that Ted Lindsay is probably the most coveted award by the players because it's voted upon by the peers, right? So you have the Hart Trophy, which, yes, the Hart Trophy is important because then it, that's voted by, uh, it's voted by the media to say who the best player in the league was. But by your peers is a little different. Um, I think it's it's definitely really special. And I remember that one year when uh, Connor McDavid was voted Ted Lindsay, but then didn't get the Hart Trophy. And he was a little sour about it afterwards. And, and when asked, like, oh, you know, the were you surprised that Taylor Hall got the heart knowing that you got the, the Lindsay? And he was like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not that often that someone gets the Lindsay and then doesn't get the, the heart trophy. So it's, it's kind of weird. But regardless, um, it's been a couple years since then. And he was, he was still a young man at the time. I'm sure uh, he'll, he'll be okay if that happens in the future. But it won't happen this year because he's not even nominated for the Ted Lindsay, which somewhat surprised me just because, you know, he is the best player in the league. And when he's not even nominated as in this award, it's like, wow. Like, th- th- that just means that there's so many good players in the NHL that on any given year, a couple of guys really can stand out amongst the rest and put themselves into that category of being the league's best. 
And a guy who kind of supplanted Connor McDavid this year in doing that is Leon, his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, who did get a, in this nomination. So you got Dreisaitl, Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers, and then Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. So those are your three Ted Lindsay nominees, McKinnon, Panarin, and Dreisaitl. And I'll be curious to see who ends up getting it. Like, I think this is pretty well a three-way tie, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Um, and, and I guess the reason why McDavid isn't on here is just because he had that injury uh, earlier in the season. He missed a few games. And then just the fact that Dreisaitl, um has been unreal this year. So how are you going to leave him off at the end of the day, right? So uh, I think Dreisaitl just kind of ended up getting that go-ahead from out of Edmonton uh, as opposed to McDavid. And man, like, Drysaddle could win, but so could Panarin. Like, he's been unbelievable this year, too. But I, I personally, probably, if I was putting money on it, I think I would say Leon Drysaddle just because of what he was able to do this season and what he did, even when McDavid got injured. And everyone says, oh, Drysaddle and McDavid are on the same line, just riding shotgun. Drysaddle spent a lot of this season, actually, on his own line. So they actually split them up for a good good majority of the year and they were both still extremely successful where the Oilers meh not not as much <laughs> like, like they're in the playoffs don't get me wrong at least they're in the playoffs but uh they definitely weren't among the league's elites like you would expect when you have two arguably top five players in the league definitely two top 10 players in the league on your team but regardless I, I think uh that's gonna be a really really good race and, and i'm excited to see who wins that i think all three are definitely deserving so we'll see who ends up getting it all right uh jack adams john tortorella of the columbus blue jackets that makes so much sense you look at what that team lost this season uh you know matt duchene that went out and made a big trade for last year he walked via free agency their goaltender sergey bobrovsky walked via free agency this year's ted Lindsay nominee or temi panarin walked in free agency and then a couple other players obviously moving on and then you couple that with the injuries that they had this year too right like josh anderson missed a good portion of this season after scoring 30 goals last year uh you had both goaltenders elvis merzlikens and Jonas corpusalo go down just when it seemed like they were starting to really get going in their nhl careers still super early but they were just getting going and then you know a couple other big injuries as well so uh, just the fact that this team just keeps chugging along Seriously, it's a next man up mentality for them. They're just super, super uh, structured and coach well. And I think that John Tortorella is a no brainer for this one. Um, and, and to me personally, I think Torts is the winner. Uh, Elaine Vigno out of Philadelphia, another guy who is going to who uh, got the nominee. I like this as well. You know, Vigno, uh, I didn't expect. I didn't expect for the Flyers to be uh, this good. I'll be quite, I'll be 100% honest with you. I didn't expect this from the Flyers. I thought that this was a team that was kind of uh, aging out a little bit with um, with uh, Claude Giroux and Jakub Voracek getting a little older. They moved on from Wayne Simmons. But you know what? Carter Hart came in. They finally solidified the goaltending position. It seems like defensively, they're they're finally got themselves a good crop of players. And then this year, you know, Travis Konechny has really come out, and he's turned out turning out to be quite the player in the NHL. So I think that they're doing a pretty good job of retooling on the fly, and and they're buying into Vigneault's plan and 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 the coaching tactics that that he has um, that he's deploying. And lo and behold, you look at them in the standings, and oh. 
somehow the Philadelphia Flyers ended up with a bye. I, I, I just <laughs> did not expect it. I thought they'd be, you know, scrapping and clawing for a playoff spot. And they ended up with a first round bye in this qualifying round. So, you know, Vino definitely deserves a big pat on the back for the job that he's done in in uh, in Philadelphia after they've kind of struggled a little bit over the past couple of seasons and this year really rebounding with a good year. Uh, okay, lastly, Bruce Cassidy of the Boston Bruins. This one, I think, is, again, just because it's he is the coach of the best team in the league. So you got to say, okay. Uh, well, who's the best team in the league? Oh, it's the Boston Bruins this year. Well, okay, their coach is being nominated. So that, that that basically happens every year. So it's like the best coach in the league ends up getting nominated from the best team in the league, and then two guys who really surprised. So that's both Torts and Vino. That's always how it ends up happening. And then the winner rarely ever goes to the actual uh, you know, coach of the best team. It always ends up going to the biggest surprise, which is why I think uh, Torts is a massive surprise, and, and, and I got to give towards the win there for myself. All right, the last uh, trophy that was announced today, the nominees for the Calder Trophy. So um, it's going to be Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, and Dominic Kubalik are the three rookies that were nominated. I'm seeing a lot of hate being thrown about these nominations, and mostly for Kubalik because a lot of people, I guess, feel that Adam Fox should be a part of the nomination and, and Adam Fox should be there over Kubelik. But I don't know, man. I I watched quite a few Chicago games this season. I, I think I had Kubelik on my fantasy team, so I was also very invested in his, his season this year. And he was unbelievable. Like 20, 20 goal seasons for him already, or 30 goal seasons, sorry, for him already within, what, 70 games. So, like, if this guy's a 30 goal scorer his first season in the NHL, leading all rookies in goal scoring, how are you going to leave him off the ballot for Rookie of the Year? Is he going to win? No, because both uh, both Hughes and McCarr just had unbelievable seasons as defensemen. Like, Quinn Hughes, if it weren't for the, uh, weren't for the stoppage of the season, Quinn Hughes legitimately could have broke records for defensemen. Like, break records. He was on pace for some Bobby Orr-ish numbers. And that's just insane to think about. Like, absolutely insane. Kale McCarr, too, until he got injured. So, Hughes does have more more points than McCarr. But you look at points per game, Kale McCarr definitely has more points per game. Um, also, a lot of Quinn Hughes' points uh, came on the power play. So, McCarr has more points at 5-on-5. Five five. And although... I, I'm just, it's kind of a toss-up between these two, but I think McCarr will end up winning Rookie of the Year just because of the hot start he was on. Like, this guy legitimately, before he got hurt, wasn't only in the Rookie of the Year conversation, but I think he also would have been in the Norris conversation based on the season he was having. Like, I think by far and away, John Carlson was running away with the Norris early in the year because he was, what, on pace for like 100 points or something at one point through the first, like, 30 games or so. Um, So he's probably going to end up winning it. But McCarr could have made it on the ballot before his injury. So I I think he'll probably end up getting the nod as well for uh, for the call to trophy. All right, uh, so that's who I believe are going to win the trophies for uh, the awards that were nominated for today. Also gave you my thoughts on the startup of uh, Phase 3 for the Maple Leafs. Um, 
later today, I guess they're going to be playing a scrimmage, which uh, which will be fun. So it'll be Team Anderson versus Team Matthews. So tomorrow, I'll get back to you on uh, on what happened at the scrimmage and and who who played well, who won, because we finally got hockey back. We got real live team on team hockey. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be going back, uh, trying to go back at least to uh, daily podcasts from here on out now that uh, now that we're back in Phase 3 and, and things are going on. We finally have actual news to talk about. So really excited for that. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast, though. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want to hear some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where me and four other Locked On hosts uh, discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow for you guys. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.